What is going on, Cheat Code Sports Fantasy Football Podcast listeners? You got Kevin, Stevie P coming at you. What's going on, Steve? What's going on, Kev? What's going on, world? We are super excited to do a podcast tonight, so let's get into it. Yeah, just going to get into some different fantasy topics, different NFL topics, uh, just some fun football conversation that me and Steve are going to have tonight, Steve and I, if you want to be proper English. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so let's get into it. We're start off with some news that has broken over the last couple of days. Some things that are really fantasy relevant or, you know, have fantasy uh, implication and, you know, just other things that we're going to get into. Uh, first thing is uh, in a conversation with Stefania Bell from ESPN, Alex Smith uh, revealed that he is cleared for full football activity uh, by his surgical team. Uh interesting because we all know that injury that he suffered and how devastating it was and it looked like his career was probably over uh i personally think that i wouldn't want to come back and play football after that but hey if you love football enough you know i i literally was talking to one of my friends about this the other day i was saying like football is a game in order to play it i feel like you have to love it like i think with andrew luck like, Andrew Luck didn't love football. Like, he, he just looked like a nerd. He just looked like, you know, a scholar. He was a Stanford grad with straight A's. You know, uh, he was just very good at football. But if you don't love it and you're just starting to get beat up, I mean, I don't see why you play it. And maybe Alex Smith just has that, has like an insist, insane love for football. Yeah, I'm... So me and Kev actually have talked about this in the past. Like, I think what makes me and Kev really just good fantasy analysts, and Dan also, uh, but me and Kev have been doing this for four years. Dan has been doing this for the two years with us. Um, so when we're talking about, like, fantasy football, and it's not just, you know, it's not just real football. I think it's any kind of, you know, fantasy startup podcast or fantasy startup website or anything like to me you have to know that the guys that are involved in the fantasy realm or in real football like the great ones have the love for the game like and I'm not calling me and Kev great so I mean don't don't misconstrue what I'm saying but what I am saying is me and Kev genuinely have a love for football like we've been doing this for four years and you know, in the first two years, like nobody was listening to us. We were just doing this as am I lying, Kev? Like me and you were just doing yeah. this because doing it for fun. Yeah, yeah we were doing it, it for fun because we because we love it. Yeah, I mean, and I feel like when you when you have a love for something, you just put so much more into it. And me and Kev genuinely have that love for fantasy football. And you know, the same way with you know, like Kev said about Andrew Luck. You know, Andrew Luck was a guy that I think definitely in the beginning, like I think all football players have some type of love for NF the NFL, but due to his injuries and just them piling up and him going through rehab and just all the things that go along with the NFL, you know, some guys just fall out of love with it. And I mean, we've seen numerous guys like really good players, you know, Barry Sanders fell out of love with football and just stopped playing. I mean, Megatron and just how it happens. They're both lions, but you know, they both fell out of love with football and just didn't want to play anymore. You know what I mean? And that's that that's what Andrew happened to Andrew Luck last year. Like he The Lions have that effect on you. <laughs> <laughs> the the Browns also have that effect on you. <laughs> but yeah, you know what I mean? Like it gets to a point where when you're getting injured and you're fighting to it's almost like anything, anything in life that if you fight so hard and you know, it's, you just don't see the light at the end of the tunnel. It's, you know, per se, I feel like you just kind of, you kind of give up on it. And that's kind of what happened to Andrew Luck. And that, that what happened to, to, you know, that's just human, human, you know, that's just human relations. That's just kind of what happens. I, I feel like if you don't see a, a light at the end of the tunnel, it, it just becomes super hard to, to love what you're doing. And I just feel like me and Kev have that love me and Dan, Kev, and we all have that love for the game of football that, you know, hey, listen, if we don't have 10 million followers, guess what? We're still going to be doing this because we love it. Yeah. 
Sure do. Like I like like Steve said. I mean, we we were doing this when we had literally nobody listening. It was just fun for us to talk about. Uh, so let's get move on uh, to another piece of news. Uh, Chiefs starting right guard Laurent uh, Duvernay Tardif uh, earned his Doctor of Medicine degree in 2018 Crazy. and has decided that he will not play this year. That he is going to work out in Canada and as a you know I guess as a, a nurse on the front lines for COVID nineteen. I gotta say that's very honorable of him. Uh, you know I don't uh, from fantasy implication or worrying about Mahomes or Damian Williams or any running back there. I mean. I know from being an Eagles fan that Andy Reid prides himself on having good offensive line and good offensive line depth. So I'm pretty sure they'll be able to slide somebody in there and, you know, take his place for the year. And, you know, I don't think the Chiefs offense is going to skip a beat. So, uh, but like I said, it's very honorable of this guy. You know, the fact that you've earned your doctor of medicine as a professional football player and you are now going to take that year off to go, you know, kind of try to do your part during this pandemic, I mean, I, you know, hats off to you. Yeah. And me and Kev talked about this kind of like before, you know, before the podcast, I kind of brought it up that I wanted to talk about this and the, the player that it kind of reminded me of. And the reason why I wanted to talk about it was if you guys remember a uh, running back from the San Francisco 49ers, Glenn coffee, I don't know if you guys remember Glenn coffee, but you know, and the reason I wanted to talk about it is because, Glenn Coffey went from being Frank Gore's backup, and if you guys remember the year, I want to say it was like 2008 or 2009, uh, you know, Frank Gore was the man, and Glenn Coffey, you know, got a little bit of work because Frank Gore had gotten hurt that season, and, you know, Glenn Coffey was, he was really good. Like, when he filled in for Frank Gore, he was just really, really good. And I think a lot of people were like, oh, man, there's going to be like a, you know, a running back by committee because how good Glenn, you know, Glenn Coffey played. And, you know, there's just it just goes to show you how like NFL players, you know, it's not all about the money. Like it really is not all about the money for some of these guys. And, you know, and that's kind of what I wanted to hit on. Like, you know, what I said about me and Kev earlier, you have to have a love for the game. And, you know, Glenn Coffey loved the game. But guess what? He wanted to do, you know, he went into the military. He left the NFL to join the military. Pat uh, Tillman. Yeah, Pat Tillman, same thing. You know I mean, like these guys, not all NFL players are like money-hungry douchebags that most people think that they are. Like they're human beings that actually care about things. And Glenn Coffey wanted to serve his country. Pat Tillman wanted to serve his country. You know, and then DuVernay wants to, to serve people that are, you know, having issues with, with COVID-19. And I completely respect that. And I thought, you know, this would be something that we should talk about. All right. Uh, so let's get into this one here. Uh, this one's actually very, very interesting. Uh, so the NFLPA uh, you, executives unanimously recommended the latest CBA proposal made by the NFL that would allow the 2020 NFL season to move forward as scheduled. Essentially, that means that what the NFL proposed, what the NFL put in front of the Players Association, the Players Association said, all right, we kind of like that. I think that's, you know, meets our level of expectation, probably of some sort of safety, you know, going on, you know, that's going to take place. We don't, they didn't really get into any kind of details, I don't think. But, you know, that's big. You know, uh, who knows how long the season goes on if it does go on. But, you know, we're seeing with baseball right now getting started. Basketball uh, started their scrimmages yesterday. Um, soccer in other countries has been going on for a while. It's been going on for a couple weeks around. So, you know, the one difference kind of is that, you know, there's no bubble for the NFL right now. Uh, the you know baseball doesn't have a bubble, but baseball is not as contact and in your face as as football. So, you know, it, it will be interesting to see how this plays out over the course of you know the season. You know, but you know the fact that everything seems to be start looking to start on time, and that the players play or the players association agreed to their proposal it, sh it should be interesting to see some of the aspects of that proposal that come out probably over the next few days 
Yeah, and you know, I think we talked about it. When did we talk about it, Kevin? Was it Monday's podcast that we kind of hit up a little bit on talking about like what the proposal was and. You know, we didn't get, uh, obviously, we didn't get a full explanation of everything they talked about and what they agreed on, but the main focus, uh, I believe, like was, testing. That, yeah, yeah, it was the testing. testing. Yeah, I mean, they're going to be doing, you know, uh, testing for every single player, every single game. I mean, you're going to get tested, and then the following week, you're going to be, you're going to be tested every single week. They're going to test you every single week because, you know, it's... They're so, going to probably test them more than, I would say they're probably going to wind up testing them like... A lot. I mean, it's starting daily. I'm yeah. pretty sure. Yep. Uh, so, like, you know, if they, I think it said, if they don't have like a five percent positive rate, they're going to start to move to let, you know, I guess less of, you know, how often they're going to test. But, you know, I mean, to me, that if they're testing daily, they'll be able, they'll really be able to keep track of of these guys and and, you know, see. You know, I, I, I don't want to say keep them safe because I think that's going to be really hard, but, you know, they're going to do the best that they can. And that's all we can ask of the NFL is that they, they do their part to keep the players safe. That's, exactly. I mean, it's one thing. Like, the, the one thing that's been said about the NFL over the last few years is that, you know, these owners really just are about their freaking money and don't really care about the players. And, yep. you know, it, it would really go a long way for the players to just, you know, extend that or for the, the NFL to the owners to extend that olive branch to the players that, you know, just kind of show them like, yo, we're, you know, we, we're trying to keep you safe. Mm, yep. And that's the thing, like, you know, so we said it the other day, like, you know, so if they do what they're saying and they're talking about doing testing every single day and they're doing you have to remember, like in the NBA and in the MLB, like they have stationary areas where people are going to be playing all the time. Right. So in the NFL, they haven't talked about doing that. They haven't said, like, you know, Houston Texan Stadium is going to be, you know, the play where we play every week. I mean, like they, they seem to expect that they're going to be, you know, going around the NFL into to different you know, to different stadiums and, and seeing all that. And what you can't account for is if a guy goes and sees his mother who, you know, just met up with, you know, her best friend who has COVID and now this guy's got COVID, you know what I mean? Like there's just too many variables and you're talking about, you know, 52 man rosters, you know, you're not talking about NBA where there's 15, 16 man rosters. Like that's, that's, that's not what the NFL is. The NFL is, you know, three, four times that. You know what I mean? So you can't account for what every single player is doing. So, you know, I think what the NFL is doing is, you know, as best as you can do at this point. You know I mean, just make sure you're checking every player and making sure you're you're staying on your P's and Q's and doing all that stuff. So, you know, at this point, knowing what we know, I think the NFL is going to start, just like they said, right on time. Yep. All right. Todd Gurley said he's open to sitting out if the NFL doesn't come up with a proper COVID-19 safety plan. Who knows if Todd Gurley agrees with the, the Players Association's acceptance of the NFL's proposed safety plan, but that could be something that is very fantasy relevant, especially if you're drafting early. You know, I mean, I'm sure we're going to know if Todd Gurley's playing over the next couple weeks because training camps will start, but... You know, this is definitely something to keep in the back of your head that if he starts to feel like he's not safe and he's already said he might not he you know may not want to play, you know, you're drafting Todd Gurley in the third round. Losing your third round pick is not very good for the success of your fantasy team, all the you know, so definitely something to keep in the back of your head if you're drafting Todd Gurley. Yeah, I, I agree. Like, you know, you guys all know anybody who listens to the podcast on a regular basis knows how much I love Todd Gurley. And after reading this, I actually read this. This, this came out at like, what, six o'clock today, Dan? I mean, Kevin. This was yesterday. This oh, this was yesterday. Today. So, you know, I mean, we reread. I read this earlier today, probably earlier, earlier today. Yeah. And, uh, you know, for me, as much as I love Todd Gurley and as much as I think he's a great player and, you know, all those other things, you know, when you have a guy talking like this, you know, you just – it is what it is. You got to you got to take the grade with what's going on. Now, this came out actually before we found out that, you know, the players have agreed on what the NFL is doing. So, I'm not trying, you know, I'm not trying to knock Todd Gurley, but what I am saying is, you know, when you got a guy talking like this, you got to you got to take it with a grain of salt. You got to be like, "Okay, listen, I I understand what he's saying. You know, maybe he agrees with what the NFL is doing, but you don't know that yet. And, you know, if you're drafting 
thank uh, hopefully god you know i'm gonna knock on wood for you you're not drafting this week before you find out what the hell is going on in the nfl hopefully you're smart and you wait until you know the middle of august at least to you know figure out what's going on in fantasy football before you start drafting but if you are in a league that drafts super early you know end of july beginning of august this is something you have to take into account you can't take todd Gurley in the third round if you don't know he's gonna play I mean, like we've seen it in, in, in MLB players. There's some MLB players that are not playing. They just don't want to play baseball because they're scared of what's going on with COVID. And, you know, you don't know their background. You don't know if they have sickly parents or they have sickly grandparents or, you know, you don't know what the situation is. So without knowing the situation, you can't sit there and go, oh, yeah, I'm definitely taking this guy in the third round when you don't know his situation. And Todd Girl's already telling you, you know, it may not be worth the risk. So if you draft today, Todd Gurley can't be your third pick. I'm sorry. He can't be your your third round pick. He's got to be your fourth, fifth, sixth round pick. And I hate to say it because I love Todd Gurley, but that's that's just the fact of the matter. Yeah. All right. So uh, we don't have to get into the Washington football team too much. That just really – it really pisses me off. We don't know what to call them. <laughs> I'm not, I mean, what I said is what they want to be called, but to me, it just pisses me off. Like, you, you couldn't come up with a name, dude. Come on now. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Like, this is, like let's not act like that. The, the, the whole Redskins thing hasn't been kind of discussed over the last four or five years that you haven't had multiple team names run through your desk. You know what I mean? Like, come on, dude. You, like, this is Daniel Snyder just being a pompous asshole. Yes. Excuse me. But, no, like, I agree. I agree. I, it's, 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 it's preach no other, preach. Yeah, there's no other reason why. Like, I mean, I, and I know like there was a big thing for the Red Tails because you know it celebrated like the Tus the, the Tuskegee Airmen, and there was you know the Sentinels because of uh, 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 the replacements and Shane Falco. Uh, so like there was there was bogus names, you know, some bogus names, some good names thrown out there. But don't tell me you couldn't come up with anything, dude. Uh, okay, so two years ago, they went into litigation about, you know, the Indians tribes trying to get them to change their name. And, you know, they took them to court. And, and see, that real quick, I don't, I don't even want to get into yeah, I don't yeah, want to yeah. get just I didn't mean to interrupt you. Uh, no, but no, you're good. That's another thing. Like, Indi like, to me, the name Indians, the name Chiefs, the name, uh, I, they've said Warriors, uh, you know, Braves. I don't even think like if I was in a member of an Indian tribe, I wouldn't be offended by those names. I'd kind of use it and think of those as being kind of, you know, I guess celebratory, maybe like, like they represent my culture, you know, yeah. like chiefs, chief, what's wrong with chiefs? What's yeah. wrong with Indians? Like that's a name. That's the name of the, like, they're Indians, Indians, yeah. Indians. So like, you know, warriors, warriors, like it's a good name. Um, you know, Braves, Brave, Bravery. Like, it, like To me, those are celebratory names. Redskins is kind of derogatory, in my opinion. Yeah. So, and like, I agree. I, I, I agree with that. I, like, like I said, I'm not I'm not against changing all – I'm not for, like, one that's beating the drum to change all the names, like, like, that have been brought up because I think they're more celebratory, a lot of them. But Redskins was kind of something that I thought was a little derogatory. And I agree. I definitely think that Redskins was – I don't want to say poking, but it kind of is when you think, like Kev said, like the Braves. I mean, like how can you take Braves and go, oh, that's a, that's a terrible name? You know I mean, you're 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 slandering, you know, Indians, and that's 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 you know, when I think of Braves, I think of you know, uh, bravery. Obviously, it's, it's in the word. So, you know, when it comes to the Redskins, two years ago you were taken to court. They tried to make you change the name. There's no way you're going to convince me that you didn't have a plan that if you lost that court proceeding that you were going to change the name to something like you had to have been like, okay, listen, you mean we can't be the Washington Redskins anymore. If we lose this case, what are we going to do? What are we going to name the team? Yeah. You know I mean like you had yeah. to have been like, okay, this is a possibility. What are we going to name the team? And now you can't come up with something like that. Come on, man. This is just this stupid. This is just getting ridiculous. They just All right. uh, bad ownership, dude. It's just bad ownership. <laughs> For real. Like I said, it's just Daniel Snyder being a pompous asshole. Um, all right. So, and then the last two things we're going to talk about are actually very, are, you know, are fantasy relevant. 
Uh, ESPN's Paul Gutierrez expects running back Josh Jacobs to see more involvement in the Raiders passing game this season. That could be a game changer for that, for, you know, Josh Jacobs owners, you know, like you're talking about a guy like people kind of view as a Nick Chubb sort of where, you know he's going to take on the bulk load of the work. If he stays healthy, he's probably going to get 250 carries, maybe more. But him possibly catching 40 to 50 balls is not really expected. And if that winds up being the case because they do just say, hey, we're going to just ride this guy, like like, like I said, that could be game-changing for you know people who are high on Josh Jacobs that wind up drafting him. I mean – you know, I, I love Josh Jacobs. I, I, you know, wasn't really expecting a huge bump in his passing game, but I did think he was going to be just as successful running the football. I think he's got a chance to lead the league in rushing. Um, but, you know, if he's going to get passing work, like this is a dude that could wind up finishing in the top five running backs. Yeah, like, all right, so I did see this earlier today, and my immediate thought was I'm moving him up to like seven. And – I know that's kind of drastic, but let's I mean, think of. I, I say I probably have. I think I have him at like nine, maybe nine or ten. So yeah, to me, okay. And we talked about this last year. If you guys remember, I mean, like all of our followers who followed us from last year, right? We talked about Cadillac Williams in the you know John Gruden system. And how Cadillac Williams came out of college and, you know, we all thought he was a great running back and blah, 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 blah. And the dude had like, whatever, 250 touches in an NFL that didn't really throw the ball to the, you know, running back as much as they do now. So if you're telling me that, you know, he's going to get more work in the passing game, if he can stay healthy for 16 games, we might be talking about a 275 touchback. Like, it is so hard in the NFL nowadays to come. I think yeah, like, yeah, yeah, and that's what I'm saying. Like, I think at minimum, if they're if, if they're true to their word and saying what they're saying, I think at minimum he's a 275 touchback if he plays 16 games. Mm-hmm. And in the NFL today, it is just way too hard. You're talking about Christian McCaffrey, and you're talking about Ezekiel Elliott, and you're talking about guys like that that get that kind of workload. If this kid stays healthy for 16 games, his minimum is going to be 275, guys. Like that that's just that's what they're talking about. You cannot pass this guy up in the first round. Like after you get past the first 5 running backs, like I I think it's really hard to figure out if I want to take Michael Thomas or 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 you know or Jacobs. Like to me, if they're if the workload is where they're saying it's going to be, that's a hard decision for me. Jacobs or Mixon. See that uh, with what they're saying now, I think I take Jacobs. You mean wow, it, that's moving them up to six? Then that's what I'm saying, like six or seven. I, I I just after listening to what they're saying that they're trying to get him more involved. Period. If they're just trying to get him involved in the passing game and the running game, I, I could clearly see 225 carries. And then if they get him involved as much as Zeke, and that's why I have it low at the low end, 275. I mean, I think if they try to get him the ball the way they kind of the Cowboys get the Zeke, I think he'll probably have 50 catches in the season. That's 275 touches. Like, and that's, you know, I don't think that's hard if he plays 16 games. So, like I said, I, I mean, like you have to move the kid up. It is what it is. Yeah. All right. And my last news is probably my favorite news. I, I text these guys immediately as soon as I saw this because it's something that I was saying for. Basically, all offseason. I give you kudos uh, yeah. for this one, Kev, real quick. Yeah. I just want to let you know this is <laughs> this is a good call by Kev. Like he's been saying it, he's been saying it way before this news came out. Like oh, we're talking, we started doing the podcast a month ago. I was dude, say, I said, at least said it a month ago. But um, yeah, we started like, the podcast up back in the end of March, and Kev has basically been saying this since like the beginning of April. But go ahead, Kev. ESPN's Jenna Lane says that. Ronald Jones is expected to serve as the Bucks starting running back that uh, Keyshawn Vaughn will begin the year as the back as a backup and Dari Ungumbawali will remain the Bucks third down back this season. Everybody drafting Keyshawn Vaughn in the seventh round in their mock drafts probably was like glad I ain't playing that <laughs> shit out because 
I mean, I told you guys, like, I felt like this guy was this year's Daryl Henderson, like just a guy being drafted that we're like, how can you put this guy that high up? Just thinking like, because they drafted him in the third round, he was going to take over. Like he, this guy was getting drafted in some leagues before in some mocks, like before Ronald Jones, way like, before, way, but like, like a round or two beforehand. And it's like, I, I don't know why people thought that or what they were expecting, but like, you know, I watched Keyshawn Vaughn on tape and, you know, it's a lot of long breakaway runs, but that's pretty much it. I mean, it's nothing, nothing, nothing special. You know, it's just breakaway runs against defenses that weren't very good in college. So, you know, to me, like I, I saw Tom Brady or, you know, uh, not saw Tom Brady, but I saw like, uh, news of Tom Brady working out with Bucks, and they mentioned that he was working out with Darian Gumbawale. And I'm like, well, that was their passing down back last year. I didn't hear him working out with Keyshawn Vaughn. So if Brady's already working out with a specific pass-catching running back, I would assume that I would – that's going to probably be more of their pass-catching running back. So, you know, to me, you know, if this knocks Keyshawn Vaughn completely off of – you know, draft boards and might actually push Dari and Gumbawali into like, kind of like that Naeem Hines spot where, you know, he could get five, six catches a game and, you know, be good for 10 fantasy points. Yeah. I, you know, honestly, like, like I said, before we started talking about this, like Kevin's been saying this since, you know, a while. (laughs) Kevin's been saying this since basically April. And I, I mean, I agreed with Kev, like, so me and Kev kind of have, and I hate to say it, like we kind of have the same wavelength when it comes to football. You know what I mean? I think it's just because we've been doing it for four years and we kind of understand each other's likes and dislikes. Um, but I feel like the guys that we feel strongly on, we kind of agree. And the guys that are kind of like we're teetering on, we might disagree. But, and I'm not saying, you know, Agumba Wale is something we feel really strongly about, but we felt really strongly that, Arians is not going to go to a rookie running back he as they do it. He doesn't do it as they're pass catching back. Like it's just, it's not like Kev said, it just doesn't do it. It's not, it's not something that we've ever seen. Like David Johnson, I think you I was could say David Johnson actually didn't even come in until like, I think week 10. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like, and David Johnson had a couple of runs in like I want to say like week three or four in his rookie season where he broke like an eighty yard touchdown, and then like a week later he broke another forty yard touchdown. So it's not like you know David Johnson wasn't showing anything. Like David Johnson was showing like, hey, I could be I could be really good. And then the following year he was really really good. You know I mean he was like the number one or number two fantasy you know running back. So. Mm-hmm. You know, and then we're not saying that about Ogumbawale. That's not what we're saying. But what we are saying is that Ogumbawale is just somebody that he trusts more than he's going to trust a rookie. Guys, like, I mean, like, there's been so many circumstances over the past couple of years that you can just look back on of rookie guys that that people are telling you, oh, yeah, he, he was drafted in the first round or he was drafted in the middle of the second round. This guy's going to be great. And we told you, like, listen, like, it's just not part of the offense. They didn't draft this guy to play him this year. I like. I think Ceh is like the best example of this year that I can talk about. That is like a guy like you can't sit there and say Ceh is going to take the job. Like you just cannot say that with a hundred percent certainty. When you look at Andy Reid's track record, I'm sorry, like you just can't do it. So. Yeah. And see, that's the thing. Like, I'm actually glad you brought that up because I was actually coming right to Andy Reid. Like, because we've actually been saying, like, Andy Reid never relied on a, on, a, on a rookie running back before. And that's not 100% accurate because Kareem Hunt was there. Yeah. But if you recall, he got Kareem hurt. Hunt was not going to be the starter. <laughs> yeah. It was going to be Spencer Ware. Spencer Ware just tore his ACL in, exactly. the, in the preseason. And Kareem Hunt they had no other choice. Yeah, he had no other choice. Kareem Hunt and Kareem Hunt and against the Patriots in that game had like just was remarkable, and there was no turning back from there. You know what I mean? It was Niles. If if you remember, Niles was the second running back on that team, and then you know it just so happened that Kareem Hunt, yeah, Niles Davis was just 
you know, the second running back on that team in the preseason, if you remember, everybody was telling you, oh, yeah. Nile Davis is the guy you got to pick up. And then week one of the pre- of the regular season, Andy Reid was like, hey, this kid is just good. We're going to try and see what happens. And he just, against the Patriots, they had almost 200 total yards and, and three touchdowns in the first game. Like, how are you going to sit a guy after that? You know what I mean? Yep. Come on. Come on. Yep. So... Yeah, that that's the end of the news, but that one, that one was my favorite because I was I I was actually hoping that never came out. I was hoping like I was hoping that was just something <laughs> yeah. like because like I I, I don't know like I, for my I, I'm glad that it makes me look good as a, as an analyst, but personally I'm just like damn like I want that st- that kind of stuff to stay like under the radar so that when I go into these drafts, there's people still drafting Keyshawn Bond in the seventh round because. I know it's going to be pointless, but yeah. Uh, all right. So what else do you want to get into, Steve? You want to bring up the Lamar Jackson question? Yeah. So today on Twitter, I uh, cannot remember, cannot recall who, who said it, but it had like 140 comments. And basically what they were saying, and yeah, I get it. They were basically saying how Lamar Jackson is, you know, a guy that, is just due for regression and how, you know, the thousand yard rushing season is just, you know, it's not repeatable. So I thought that it would be fun to talk about the repeatability of the thousand yard rushing season. So as we all know, there's never been a quarterback that rushes for a thousand yards before Lamar Jackson did it last year. You know, we had Randall Cunningham get really close. We had, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Falcons quarterback Michael, Michael Vick. Vick. Michael get ve- get very close. Um, so we've had guys that have gotten like to nine hundred plus yards and get really close to that thousand yard season, and then Lamar just passed it last year. So I wanted to kind of get into a little bit of is it repeatable? So this is kind of my argument for why it's lip repeatable for Lamar. So if you guys remember the Randall Cunningham years, right? They didn't really have the amazing running game that this Ravens team has like this Ravens running team. It, it was the number one running team in football last year. That's obviously including what Lamar Jackson did, but you know, Mark Ingram was, I mean, me and Kev have talked about it in this offseason. They were, he was amazing last year. I mean, even, even Gus Bus was very good last year. Like, there was nobody on this team that was bad running the football. Like, they just moved the ball, you know, very, very well last year in the running game. So, for me, the difference between Michael Vick and Randall Cunningham, and Michael Vick had you know, work done and he had different running backs, but to me, Mark Ingram, you know, I like work done. I like those running backs, but I just think Mark Ingram is a better running back than those guys. And I also think, you know, with them, just, just the way they run their offense, I do think it's a possibility this guy gets close to a thousand yards. Do I think he breaks the thousand yards? I'm going to go ahead and say no, because before last year, it's never been done, but I think he's a shoe in for 800. Like, I just don't see how he gets less than 800. I just don't see how this running game doesn't, doesn't make him an 800 yard quarterback. If he plays 16 games. And we all saw last year, how he's smart with the ball in his hands. He doesn't get hit very hard. I mean, you don't see Lamar Jackson running into a pile of six guys and getting smashed. Like you see him running out of bounds and and sliding and doing all the stuff. You know, he wasn't the greatest of sliders last year, but he did get down when he needed to get down. So, you know, to me on the low end, he's probably a 700 yard running back. And on the high end, he breaks a thousand yards again. I don't think that's crazy. All right. So I expect a lot of regression from Lamar Jackson this year, at least in the running from the running aspect of things. Um, Maybe I think 800 is a very good number. You know, uh, he had seven touchdowns. I'll say five. I think five is a legit number. So 805. If you have a quarterback running for 800 yards and five touchdowns, that dude's still going to be a fantasy monster, especially when he's throwing the ball the way Lamar did last year. You know, Lamar, if he loses 
400 yards rushing, you can almost bet your ass that he's going to gain some yards passing. Uh, 36 touchdowns is probably a little high for Lamar throwing the football. I don't know if that's going to be repeatable either, just because it's he did his his touchdown to pass ratio was just ridiculous. Like he threw a touchdown on what one out of every I think six passes it looks or seven passes like one out of every seven completions that he had was a touchdown. Like that's 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 almost irrepeatable. Like you, you're not going to do that, but you know, I, I just, I can see him throwing for more yards if he's not going to be running the ball as much. And let's be honest, if he's running the ball, the same, like he had 176 attempts, a uh, carries last year. So if he, the year before he had 147, now, obviously he didn't start the year, you know, as you know, the starting quarterback, he would come in and run maybe two or three runs a game, things like that. But, you know, I just, like Steve said, I don't think there's any way that he does. Like, even like you said, 700 is his floor. I don't even think that's his floor. I think 800 is probably his floor. So he had he had 695 in 16 games in, the, in his rookie season. And that was without being a starting quarterback for what when did he come in like game week seven yeah week eight? I think he came in he played the last seven games of the season so week nine ten. so so all right so he did not start for the first what eight games nine games and still rushed for 700 yards and like i said i know he was getting runs here and there but Come on now, like this guy in, in a bad season is going to rush for 800 yards and probably rush for another five touchdowns. And if that winds up being the case, like there's not really anything that's going to stop him from being a top five fantasy quarterback. The only thing that can stop Lamar Jackson from being a top five fantasy quarterback literally is injury. That is only thing yeah. because he runs the ball so well that passing lanes, like passing situations are just going to be open because there's so much attention drawn to him running the football. He's Mark Ingram was extraordinary last year. And guess what? If Mark Ingram is not good this year, JK Dobbins will be good this year. So like he's their running game is going to be so good that you can't focus on the pass. So he's going to have receivers like Hollywood Brown get deep. He's going to have one of the best tight ends in, in the NFL and Mark Andrews just, you know, finding ways to get open because there's so much attention drawn to the run game. So, you know, to me, like I said, it, the only thing stopping Lamar from being a top five quarterback every year is injury. Yep, I completely agree. I just, you know, he showed way too much last year to think that he's just going to drop off. You know I mean, like, don't get me wrong. I, you know, what I mean, 30, whatever. What is it? 39 touchdowns total. 36, uh, 36 passing, 7 rushing. So he had 43 total. Okay, so 43 total is a lot. But I think even on a bad year, he could have 35. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, on a bad year, he can get, you know, let's say 28, run, run, uh, you know, passing and 7 rushing. I just, I mean, like, just watch the guy, just watch the tape, please. Just Go to some of the games and watch this kid play. I'm not saying that he is the the Joe Montana of passers. He is not the the Dan Marino of passers. I'm not. That's not what I'm saying at all. But this kid may well as be the best running quarterback we've ever seen in the NFL. Like, you know, Bill Belichick. And I just want to say this as the last thing, and then we'll move on. But. Bill Belichick, after playing against Lamar Jackson last year, said it himself. This is the best mobile quarterback I've ever seen on a football field. Period. This is the best. He's played against Michael Vick. He's played against, uh, you know, Cam Newton. He's played against all those, you know, all the guys that you can think of that are great. And he said it himself. This guy is just different. He's He's fast, he knows how to get down, and he he just moves the offense like I've never seen before. The kid is very, very good. And I know Bill Belichick likes to, to, to blow guys' heads up, but Bill Belichick also speaks the truth. If you listen to a lot of the stuff that Bill Belichick says, he, you know, he talks highly about players because, you know, he believes in players. But 
Bill Belichick said it himself. This is the best running quarterback I've ever seen on a football field. He's great. So, you know, if this kid can merge his running game with his passing game, continue to build on what he did last year, you know, I just don't see how 35 touchdowns is not, you know, almost a lock. All right. Uh, And what was next, Steve? You wanted to get into some of the NFC teams and – yeah, so I was kind of looking at uh, Twitter today, and you know there was a couple of people that brought up the NFC East. Um, and for me, the NFC East has always been a division that we all kind of assume is just great. You know what I mean? Like almost every year, the NFC East is a team. You know, the whether it's the Cowboys or it's the Eagles or you know it's the the Redskins coming out of nowhere and being really good or it's the Giants winning two Super Bowls out of nowhere. I mean, the NFC East is just always a threat uh, in the NFL. It's just you know over the past thirty years they've just always been a threat in the NFL. And you know, kind of on Twitter, they were kind of some people saying how you know with the Cowboys situation of, you know, CD Lamb and, you know, Michael Gallup and you know, just everybody on that team, how, it, you know, everybody on that team just makes it a powerhouse, you know, what teams are going to be good and what teams are just kind of a, a, a flash in the pan is kind of what I was, what I got out of what everybody was saying. So thinking about, you know, everything the Cowboys have, thinking about, you know, the Eagles losing Brooks and you know what the Eagles were last year. They, you know, they won the division and then thinking about, you know, how bad the giants and the Redskins were last year. It made me kind of think about, you know, how this is one of those divisions kind of like, you know, the NFC South with the Atlanta Falcons and the saints and all those other teams that they never seem to have the same team win it twice. They haven't. There hasn't been the same winner in the NFC East, I think, since like 2004. Exactly. So it's just always a fluctuating, you know, it's one of those fluctuating divisions that you just never know what team is coming out of the playoffs, you know, going to make the playoffs. So I started thinking, and for me, I think the New York Giants might be a dark horse for a, a team that makes the playoffs this year. And I'll explain why. So let's think about this. Last year, Saquon Barkley missed, what was it, six games, Kev? Uh, Six, yes. I think it was six games. Okay. So if Saquon Barkley doesn't miss those six games, they probably still don't make the playoffs last year because they just weren't they just weren't all that great, let's be honest. I mean, the Giants were just not all that good. You know what I mean? But with this team coming back the way it is, right, we saw the wide receivers start to come together. I mean, Kevin has been saying how Evan Ingram could be a top three tight end if he stays healthy for 16 games, which I also agree with. I think that, you know, if Evan Ingram plays 16 games, he could finish number one, let's be honest. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like, the dude is just really good at football. We saw it his rookie year. He he flashed brilliance his rookie year, and injury has, has just slowed him down, right? So let's say everything falls right, right? Let's say Evan Ingram plays 16 games. Let's say Saquon Barkley plays 16 games. Let's say that even if one of the wide receivers misses some time. Sterling Shepard will be Ster- one. <laughs> Sterling Shepard. Let's say Sterling Mesh Shepard misses four games. I still don't think that with all of their offensive talent that this team finishes under 500, Right. Their defense is horrible. Like, let's let's be honest. Their defense is not good, right? But if Daniel Jones comes into the 2020 season as a revamped quarterback and really they figure out what his strong suits are, I think this Giants team is one of those teams that could just surprise everyone. Like, you know, just win 10 games and everybody's like, what the hell? did? Where the hell did that come from? If Saquon plays 16 games... Evan Ingram plays 16 games. These wide receivers show a mesh of different, you know, they can all stay, you know, we already know that, that, you know, uh, what's his name? Uh, the third wide receiver. The, oh, uh, Slayton. No, not Slayton. Um, Golden, Tate. Golden Tate. We already know that Golden Tate is 
you know, well, Kevin actually sent us a, a thing on the on the internet the other day that Golden Tate has had like a thousand yards and the closest person to him. I was just going to say, I was just going to bring that up. I didn't yeah. know I sent that to you guys. Yeah. So like Darius Slay, uh, who newest new cornerback for Philly, put on put like you know a a post from PFF. Uh, over the last five years, which wide receiver has had the most yak yards? And Golden Tate has a thousand and three. He's number one. The closest guy next to him was Larry Fitzgerald with six hundred and seventy-four. <laughs> it was like three hundred and twenty-five <laughs> yards difference between you know number one and number two. Like Golden Tate, man. Like after he catches the ball, is actually pretty vicious. Yeah, he's awesome. So, and this is my argument. You know I mean, like, like I said, we all know the defense is not the greatest. But if Baker can come, it was only his first year last year. He was a rookie last year, let's be honest. And they haven't had any, you know, the legal issues. We all know what happened with the legal issues and, you know, him going, supposedly going to a, a party and holding everybody up, which doesn't really make sense because he's an NFL player. Like, why the hell are you stealing everybody's jewelry at a party when you make millions of dollars a year? But let's just say, you know, none of that stuff takes into account this year and he plays all 16 and and he gets better. He won't play in all 16. Yeah, he, I don't if, th- he will not be playing all 16. Yeah, I don't think if so. Anything, either. he will he will get suspended by the NFL. Yeah, if for the first four games jail, or whatever be, it is. Yeah, he'll be suspended. Exactly. So, let's let's just say that this defense gets a little bit better and this offense becomes just a healthy group. I'm not even saying that this offense becomes an amazing group. I'm just saying they stay healthy. Kev gave the stat the other day. What was it like? Twelve plays, Kev, that all all every single player played last year. Twelve plays that they've all that all, all of their skill players played together. Exactly. So if if it is a, you know, let's say they play ten games together, I think it's a strong possibility that this Giants team is much better than people are giving them credit for because. As much as I hate to admit it, because I hate the Giants. I am not a Giants fan, even a little bit. But with Saquon back there and the wide receivers that they have, you can't sit here and say that the wide receivers are bad. And if Daniel Jones turns a corner and actually looks like somewhat of an NFL-caliber quarterback, this team's going to be good. (sighs) All right. So my issue with – my only issue with the Giants, because I do think that I do think Daniel Jones is a a good will be a good quarterback. I I, I don't know about great. Uh, honestly, he he reminds me a lot of Eli Manning. Like when they actually had that comparison, he's just more of a mobile Eli Manning. He's very turnover prone, uh, but he will have his games where he goes off and th- you know throws for three hundred and fifty yards and but. The thing I have with the Giants is I know they have Baker. I know they signed Bradbury. This team's defensive line, uh, PFF has them as the worst line, I think, defensive line in the NFC or in the NFL, uh, something like that. I think, yeah, one of the worst. So they're 26th. They're ranked 26th. And I actually had to go on there and couldn't even remember who their their defensive linemen were because I know they had Snacks Harrison. He he left. He left. I know they had uh, who was the guy they got from Cleveland that was their uh, that yeah. was that they paid that money tackle. to. Yeah. Um, keep going. I'll bring his name. I know. I know exactly yeah. what you're talking about. But you know, like this team just they have if it doesn't matter who you have in your secondary if you can't get any pressure cornerbacks do not do well guarding for seven seconds you know what i mean if you can't get pressure on the quarterback so you know i think that's something that's really going to hurt this giants team uh aside from that you know they've never been good in their linebacking core they've never really taken they've never really taken uh you know uh, used linebacker like a high precedent linebacker is a high precedent position they always kind of philly's the same way you know it's kind of like that four three defensive scheme where you use your you know your linemen to get pressure and if your line is getting pressure and you you have good enough line you don't really need a good linebacker because you know your line's going to do the job and you really only need a linebacker to you know stop some a running back that's already slowed down so to speak uh but 
you know, to me, that's the biggest thing with the, with the Giants is they're going to need their defense to come together, and I just don't think their defense is very good. Um, the thing with Dallas uh, is very similar, except it's kind of the opposite of the Giants because I think their line is good, but their secondary is just terrible. So, like, they might be able to get pressure on the quarterback, but on those occasions where DeMarcus Lawrence isn't able to get there. And, and DeMarcus Lawrence is another guy that said he may not report to camp if, you know, he's, I think he said he's got like a pregnant wife or something like that. So he, he may not feel comfortable reporting to camp. Like, dude, like, it, 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 first of all, every year the Cowboys got some kind of drama. It's, it's but, been, <laughs> I mean, literally every year since we've been like kids, think about it. Like, yeah. it, like as far back as I can remember, you know what I mean? Emmett Smith missing the first two games of a Super Bowl year because they you just wouldn't give him his money. Like, just give the guy his money. He's the best running back in football, basically. Yeah. So, if they're not – that's a team. Like, if they're not able to get pressure on the quarterback, their secondary is going to be burnt constantly. And and it's just, it's I think them – I think, honestly, the Giants and Cowboys are very similar teams. Like, very similar. I think they have the opportunity to be extraordinary offensives because, you know, obviously Dallas has a million weapons on offense. And I think most people would agree that the, that the Giants do, too. The difference is that, you know, Dak has proven to be a, a, a good quarterback for a longer period of time than Daniel Jones has. Yeah. But the only that's the only difference between their offenses. Like they got tons of talent on the offensive side of the ball. Both have, you know, two of the best running backs in the NFL, uh, three-man wide receiving cores that have all proven to be very good, and the Giants have one of the best tight ends in football if the guy can stay healthy. So, you know, the, to me, both of those teams, their defense is kind of their weak link. Um, the Eagles, <sighs> see, the, the, the Eagles, to me, are the same team every year. If they stay healthy they will be a Super Bowl contender. It's just, can they stay healthy? Like, they had that one year, two years ago, or three years ago now, where their whole team stayed healthy. Apart from Wentz getting injured and Nick Foles having to come in and and basically rescue the season and win a Super Bowl, like, the rest of that team stayed healthy. There wasn't too many injuries. Alshon Jeffrey played all 16 games. Torrey Smith played played a pretty a pretty sure the whole season. Nelson Aguilar didn't get hurt that year. They had Legarrette Blunt, Jay Ajayi got came on. Corey Clement was a, played a big role. Um, all their lines stayed healthy that year. You go into the defensive side of the ball, like I think everybody pretty much stayed healthy on the defensive side of the ball, like. I mean, that's pretty much the difference between the Eagles of 2017 and the Eagles over the last two years. And even the last two years, they made the playoffs. So, you know, to me, the the only difference with the thing with the Eagles is if that team stays healthy, I think that they're the most well-rounded team in the in the NFC East. And the Redskins just, who knows? Yeah, the Redskins are. I mean, at this point, like, yeah. At this point, I mean, like, they, 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 uh, let's be honest. Their defensive line is going to get sacks. Oh, yeah. Chase Young, they're, they're uh, you know, Ryan Kerrigan, you know, their, their defensive line is going to get sacks. Um, you know, I, I think they got Steven Sims, who's kind of an under-the-radar good player. And if Darius Geis can stay healthy, that could be a very good addition to their run game, who hasn't been there the last couple of years. To me, I think Dwayne Haskins is actually going to improve a lot because that's the only way he can go. So he can't be worse. Yeah, I mean, I see all these guys working out with Dwayne Haskins. I'm like, they gotta see something and they gotta be working out with him. And you know, to me, yeah, like I think I think you are going to see a pr- improvement from the guy. Uh, so yeah, I, I mean. But obviously, they're still the worst team in the NFC East. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. Uh, and okay, so with the Eagles, this okay, so this is how we'll break it down, then we'll finish up the podcast. But I think I think if you just looked at it on paper, the Cowboys are the best team in the division, right? Because of the offensive weapons and all that. The Eagles defense 
in the secondary was horrible last year. It was, it was atrocious. The Cowboys are probably going to be horrible this year in the secondary. So I think that's a wash. You can't really compare the two. I think they're both bad. Because the Eagles didn't really add anything, and neither did the Cowboys. Yeah, Cow- they added Darius Slay. Oh, okay, they added Darius Slay. That's, <laughs> that's the one. So they'll be a little bit better than the Cowboys. So on, on one side of the field, anyway. Yeah. So I think if you look at that, I think the Eagles and Cowboys are, you know, the best teams in the division, right? And it's hard to argue that. My one thing that I will say is if the Eagles can stay healthy, I don't think it's a question that the Eagles are the best team in the division, honestly. Because I feel like, like Kev said, they added Darius Slay. They have two tight ends that, honestly, I feel like could be top 10 tight ends in the NFL period, not just fantasy football. I'm talking about like the NFL actually. Like if you're talking about all around talent, talent tight ends, Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard are two of the best tight ends in football, period. Really quick. I listened to you guys on the other day. I wasn't able to do the podcast the other day. But that question of who would you rather keep or uh, uh, who was it? He would he wanted yeah, it was Zach Dallas, Ertz or Dallas Goddard, Goddard or yeah. Alexander Madison. Yeah, yep. And the dude had Ertz and Dalvin Cook. Yeah. I was like, man, that was a tough that question. Was a really, that was, you, that you was really, the toughest question of the night. That was yeah, the hardest question of the night. It really was. Question because, honestly, like, I would have went with Goddard. And the reason I only would have went with Goddard is because Ertz is older than, yeah. than Cook. Yeah. Because Ertz, to me, likely will be out of there before Cook. I think they're going to pay Cook. I don't, I don't think Cook's going anywhere. Yeah, and actually, that's another piece of news you can say is that I think somebody – Somebody reported today that, that Dallas Dalvin Cook is not expected to hold out past the first week of training camp. So, yeah. yep, I, I agree. I, I just, you know, I think these two tight ends are just amazing. I think that if there's a weakness on the Eagles team, you could say it's their wide receivers, right? Obviously, because of you know what they brought to the table last year, but. I don't think that the Eagles wide receivers is as bad as everybody think it is. they are because I think Deshaun Jackson, you know, with a healthy Carson Wentz, if Deshaun Jackson can play, I'm not even going to say that he plays 16. I'm going to say he plays 13, right? I'm going to say Deshaun Jackson misses three games. I still think 13 games of Deshaun Jackson is probably going to be damn really good. Close to a thousand yards, if not over a thousand yards with let's say six to eight touchdowns, right? Which is good for a, for a receiver, right? Then you're talking about, you know, like I said, Dallas Goddard, and you're talking about Miles Sanders, who can also catch the ball out of the backfield. And you're talking about Zach Ertz, who's probably one of the best guys. You know I mean? They're saying Alshon Jeffrey will probably go on the pup list. If he comes off the pup list after six weeks, you got Alshon Jeffrey back in the fold. And I really believe this. This is not me just gassing up the Eagles. I think Jalen Rager is really good. I think this dude is a really, really good football player. And if they can get him acclimated into the offense the way I think they're going to use him, which is as the number two wide receiver playing against number two corners, and I just think he'll beat the drum off of these these number two you know corners because I think he's that good with uh, a Zach Ertz throwing to him. I just think the Eagles are the best team in the division. Carson yeah. Wentz throwing. To Carson him. Carson Wentz. That's Zach right. Ertz ain't throwing. To yeah, him. that's what I meant. <laughs> Carson Wentz throwing. <laughs> to him. But you know what I mean, like. I just feel like with all of that combined and the Eagles offensive line is even though they're missing Brooks, I still think this offensive line is very good, especially because they just signed Jason Peters to be the right guard. Basically they said this year, he's going to play right guard. I don't think there's a drop off in this offensive line with Jason Peters at right guard. I still think they're very, very good. I still think the all around offense is better than what the Cowboys have. And the defense, you know, if they can, with Darius Slay, if they can figure out, you know, a number two corner on this team and he can actually play somewhat good, I think, you know, with McLeod back there and, and just every all the other pieces that they have on this team, I just think the Eagles are the best team in this division. Yep. All right. That wraps us up for tonight. Uh, we will be back on Monday. Uh, remember to check us out on the website, www.cheatcodesports.com. That is www.cheatcodesports.com. We have rankings. We have articles that come out weekly. We have the cheat codes, which 
Uh, Steve talked about last week, last the other day, you know, last year we were charging, you know, a, a price for them this year. We are giving everything away on the website for free with everything that's going on. And the cheat codes are a great visual of every team's offense from last year, how, you know, their player percentage, player usage percentages, uh, run pass ratios, different things like that, that, you know, can factor into decision-making in drafts. Um, and then we have the player PDF, the player profile PDF packet, which we got coming out um, sometime in the next two week or two. And that is going to be completely free. We, we decided to change our minds on that because frankly, we know that things have been tough around, you know, with everybody lately with everything going on. And, you know, we want to make it as easy as possible on you guys to win your fantasy championships. So that's going to be free as well. We'll throw the dra- the tiered out draft guideline on there as well. And, you know, who knows? You know, I mean, you know, uh, trust me, guys, go on the website. It's There's a ton of great information and you'll, you'll really enjoy it. And we worked hard on it. And, if you know, give us feedback. Let you know. Let us know what you think. Yeah. Um, Real quick, Kev, before you finish, because like what you just said is, you know, a big part of it. Like, you know, with this all this COVID stuff, you know, it's been hard. Everybody knows, you know what I mean? Like some people have lost their, a lot of people have lost their jobs and we feel for you guys. And you know what I mean? Some of you guys are still going to be in fantasy leagues because you have the passion for the fantasy football. And you know, we, we also have that same passion. So we decided to make everything free for you guys. And you know, just, we hope that we can help you out just a little bit, get some enjoyment on a tough year. I mean, it's been a tough year for all of us. I mean, we personally have had things go on in our personal lives that have, you know, been really rough on us this past year. And, uh, you know, we want to, we want to spread the love to you guys. We want you guys to really, you know, take advantage of what we have to offer and we're just going to give it to you guys for free. So enjoy it this year, guys. Yep. Uh, like I said, we'll be back on Monday until, until then. Peace out guys. Peace.